Hey everyone, just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the Balanced Data Slate was released, so some of the information mentioned will have changed. Please enjoy the episode. What, what do you think is the reason why people stopped using player plays? Probably because what happened at Nova. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably. Makes, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because uh, uh, like, literally once everyone saw what I was doing and other people were doing, they were like, no. Because the issue is player plays terrain in itself is a skill that you can't mm-hmm. just learn. You have to like practice. And you have a huge advantage if you like build boards every day because you know how to do it. And like, it's very easy if you like know the game to know like, oh, you're trying to build terrain in your drop zone so you can just make castles. So yeah. I'm going to do the opposite. And then I can, I've, I know how to play both, but I hope if I win deployment, I'll be the defender. Take the one you've set up because you don't know how to play the other side. And that's basically uh, because people would just, you'd be surprised how many people gambled on the fact that they would get their castle um because uh-huh. a lot of people didn't so are you are you a nacho or quesadilla guy quesadilla John. man quesadilla, quesadilla all the way all right so yeah. you and giacomo are against me quesadilla this one. for life suck it emmanuel <laughs> this is the squad games podcast <laughs> this is our thing we get to say whatever we want you already know i just said my name i'm gonna say it again i'm giacomo i'm with dakota and today we have a special guest john reese creator of can you roll a crit hey everyone hey. thanks for having me on yeah. yeah. I also would like to announce uh, we are now officially a part of the Frontline Gaming Network as of this podcast. Oh, nice. Yes. And we have an affiliate link uh, that will be posted in the show notes. So if you guys want to help the podcast and help us out, if you guys plan on going to any FLG events or buying any of their terrain or accoutrements, if you could just click on that link first and make your purchases, we get 5% off of that. Uh, it would help us out tremendously, and uh, thank you to all of the listeners for your continued support. Yes. That's really awesome, right? Man? Nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, I think the favorite thing I did was against... Uh, I was in the Pathfinder mirror just before the final, and I was playing against one of um, Travis's guys. So he didn't realize that I was... I'd mirrored his... So he'd put a scrap pile on one of the board edges, and then I was like, well, just in case he picks retrieval, he probably won't. I'll put the long scrap pile on my left-hand side, just half an inch from the board edge. And then he revealed retrieval turn one. So I put it in the middle of that gap because only the center point has to be on the board for retrieve uh, retrieve item. Mm-hmm. So he realized um, when he revealed it to me that I just locked him out of two tack-up points for the game. Because oh, that's amazing. Because <laughs> there's it's a legal placement because it wasn't an advantage point and there was physically no way for him to get within black of it to actually pick it up so he could never max that so instantly I was already ahead by two victory because my friend always did that to me when I picked retrieval so I just stopped picking retrieval um, I mean that but makes that's, sense <laughs> yeah but it's like that's the the only way you can do that is with player placed and that was just because I was like oh just in case you might think that as an easy way to scout forward if he plays. Like the American way to play Pathfinders was just rush into your face. And then when I did that, he just kind of went like, oh, so. But it's like, I, 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 I get the theory for player place because technically it eases time for the TO. And if you have enough rules, you can make it work. But Correct. generally there are never enough rules to make it work. Well, it's difficult to make it work because the rules would be so specific, you know, being like, 
And it also is so terrain dependent, you know, you'd have to have a different, you'd have to have different rules for Chalneth, different rules for Octarius, different rules for this, different rules for that. Yep. Even I'd, even me and my terrain, I'd have to have different rules for it just because my terrain is just innately different. And then yeah. having to know that the, the player burden and the mental load of having to know all of those rules going into a tournament is kind of rough. Well, yeah, it's like completely unfair to players who just like only play with their mates or like even when they go to tournaments, most tournaments don't do player play. So all of a sudden, not only are you trying to learn matchups, you're now tr- trying to learn how to player place terrain. Like, for example, as I said, I was I had multiple ways to do it. Like, I would build boards to counter attack ops, to stop people scoring attack ops, and to make boards safe for me to move up. Or um, if they're making a castle, something I could move up to where they would be locked in their own drop zone. And then, as I said, mirroring to get into their head. Because I'm like, when I'm at a stage I'm comfortable with the matchup, I can just go, cool, I'll just mirror the board exactly. So you're completely freaked out, and it freaked out everyone. Uh, but I think that's why Chris, <laughs> for the final for the no for day two he did the top tables all placed by him because he was quickly realizing it was firing out of control so that makes sense um i think i think people that innately design and build maps like myself would probably have a big advantage because i kind of know everything i have to look out for and it sounds like that's something that you do as well with your buddy is that you're constantly designing and Oh yeah, no. constantly. Also, because I have to do them like for the battle reports, for practice games, and then also like to show off to people for the channel and stuff for teaching. Absolutely, so, yeah. So it's like I think one time I was playing against Vetguard and he was trying to castle up. So I just built a board where there was no safe way to castle in the drop zone. If I moved up, it was for free because I put enough heavy in the way so I could get full obscuring shots. Then because I was Pathfinders. If I won, I would take his castle deployment and then shoot up everyone because anything he tried to move up, I'd get four marker lights on and just shoot for free. Yeah, I think castling is is the wrong decision in player placed in Kill Team. Yes, <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Just in general, because, I mean, if you're playing Vetguard, you're playing Pathfinders. It's interesting. You said that there was a, an American way, and a, I'm wondering what the English way is to play. Yeah, so like, the English way. I, I would say the American Pathfinders are Pathfinders that all start on engage and then turning point one monk car. So they yep. do the free dash. Okay. Whereas the UK one is generally we do Montcar turning point two or three. Sometimes you will do like the hyper aggressive play, but generally you go for the counter punish or go for the turning point two punish. Interesting, because uh, it was it was like yeah, because even when at LVO, I was like, because I was a bit ex- more experienced with like how the American mayor played when I was path paired into Pathfinders the first time. I was like, because uh, you can see how people deployed. I was like, if he puts the first four and engage then he's playing high progressive and he put the first four and engage. And I was like, cool. Now I know how to deploy. So I just played super defensively. He put monk card turning point one. So I was just like, as long as I survive this <clears throat> push, I can just punish turning point two. And I didn't lose any uh, breaches. And then I just shut him down turning point two. Oh, that's, he'd lo- that's fantastic. That's a, that's, yeah. that's a difficult thing to do, you know? Oh yeah. I only I've- basically did it because I knew the matchup and also I could just pop brace. And everyone was eight wounds. Do you think that my uh, my maps or my terrain kind of helped in that, or do you think that uh, it was just kind of a lot? It was like we also won the deployment where there was really close heavy terrain, so his marker lights did nothing. But I also because there was enough heavy line of sight blocking stuff, I deployed stuff so he couldn't marker light anything. The only stuff he could marker light was stuff that had gone to loot a point or something. Um, I really like the maps. I think the only issue was some of the maps were used for. 
uh, layouts that they weren't ideal for. Like I Agreed. think yeah. the only one I've, that sh- comes out to me was the final one. I think the one weird where you had to, <clears throat> where you had to do the old domination because it was great as a like quesadilla board. Well, because we had to play a hot dog, no hamburger, sorry. There was like no one touching terrain. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I remember I, I almost got wiped by Quinns by that, but then they fluffed. So then turning point two, I wiped them out. And then Orion was just telling me like he's never lost so many Galafox to Pathfinders because I didn't realize um, he was playing Pathfinders on that. And he had like the same issue where he lost deployment. And I think he somehow lost like two mutants, two glitchlings because he didn't have any board deploys and stuff. That's one thing. That's one thing that is just kind of like it's just going to be there, uh, just like a learning experience. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something we took away. So, um, speaking of which, my guy, what is your what are you hobbying right now? Because I'm sure we're all in the depths of some hobbies. Uh, so I actually just finished ma- uh, finished making my hand of the archon Drukari barricades because I made some for my fast talker Kim band. Oh. I wanted to make some for my Drukari. The only issue was there was no, like, because I'll play at mainly GW events. They have to be GW official. And oh. when I made my crew ones, even though they were within the dimensions, they were just a flat line. So they were technically worse, but then people could still argue because they're not the ideal footprint. Because, you know, like normal barricades are like, they're kind of like a weird pyramid, you know, yeah. indented pyramid. So I was like, okay. I can't use any, there's no official Drukari terrain. Like I could use stuff from Raiders and stuff, but then it would be way too curved and not ideal. So then I just like go, I just thought I'll just use, because I have six spare barricades from Into the Dark. So I used those and just Drukari them up. Then it actually took me two weeks to build because I had to buy skulls again, but then also I harvest Age of Sigma kits and stuff. Okay. Like Crutes and like, uh, for skulls and like fleshy bits. So now they're all finished and varnished. Are these posted anywhere they're on my socials and the main facebook group and reddit the kill team okay where's uh where, where would your socials be what what could people so find you at? instagram facebook and twitter is all just can you roll a crit so just into one the word. ground what is that the ground is that what you said <laughs> no, no no just one word instagram yeah. instagram oh, Dang, new social media account into the ground you can run your whole <laughs> oh i love that oh, no that's cool i was wondering what the aesthetic was it would probably have to be just a bunch of like you know those stretched faces that you see on the archons capes and stuff that's what i was thinking of so i thought about that so what i used i used uh one just had a bunch because i have so many spare drukari stuff for my armies. so i put one with a bunch of spikes and skulls and I used the spare skull I had from when I built my intercession squad, like the helmet, the helmet uh-huh. with no neck joints. So I used that as a trophy. Then for one of them, um, I used the stone horn skull rack and just cut that off because it's like a trophy rack with like loads of skulls all together. And then I put one with two trophy racks from Raiders, just cut off and put into spikes onto the top of the barricade so it doesn't affect the outline. And then on my third one, I put, because I have like 10 incubi, I used mm-hmm. two spare incubi blade veins for their trophy racks and put those on barricades as well. Cool. So I have like, and then I put like a crew severed hands. This crew have severed hands for some reason. So I thought that would be very Drukari. But once they were all done, I went with bronze because everyone goes with like silver. Then I, do you call them, verdigrad them up. 
to make them stand out more. And then once they were all varnished and dried, then I just used Blood for the Blood God, just sponged on in two layers. Nice, nice. Now I'm on your website, canyourollacrit.com. Um, yes. And I don't see your Instagram link here. Is it? It was supposed to be. I mean, to be fair, I kind of just, because <laughs> I started on the I mean, website. You, you have your YouTube, your Twitch, uh, you have your tips and tutorials. It's a really cool website. I like it. Um, oh, thanks. I, yeah. I really don't pay much attention to it anymore. It's only there as I'm, just like. I'm going to shamelessly, <laughs> I'm going to shamelessly plug you as much as I can. Just so you know. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll update. I thought I did. Um, I, I, I follow you on Twitter too, which your, your Twitter account's pretty fun. Um, yeah. Everyone gets shocked about how I actually act online. They're like, oh no. Cause I had friends in underworlds when I started who were like, oh yeah, where's like social media advisors, advertisers. What you should uh-huh. do, John, is basically never reply to anyone and just be very neutral. And I was like, yeah, but that's boring. So I'll just reply and post what I want. So, because yeah. I learned from one of my other friends who does the Honest Wargamer, it's just like, because normally you get like people who get very aggressive and they expect you to either just block them or not reply. So I like engaging with them because I find it hilarious. Because what I find, especially if they're talking nonsense, if you encourage them to engage, not only does it boost your social media engagement because more people are seeing your posts, and as long as you're being like level headed, they'll just spiral out of nonsense. But if they keep spiraling out, they will eventually say something so silly, it completely changes the topic. And then you just go, why did you say that? And they were like, what do you mean? Like, like, for example, I was in one of the discords and like we were chatting about like TTS. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, you're right about, because I said like TTS is very sterile and symmetrical, whereas into the in real life, not everyone is using the same miniatures. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's very true because there was this Spanish tournament where they allowed these crazy conversions. And then I was like, hold on, what are you talking about with the Spanish tournament? And it was like, well, no, they had this instance where like this model was like crazily converted, so it was like abusing like visibility and line of sight. And then posted the image, and I was like, why are you trying to discredit the Spanish scene? He's like, no, 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 I'm not trying to do that. And then the Spanish people came in because they were like, oh, what are you, what are you trying to say about our tournament? And then it completely derailed the thing because he started for some reason griping about the Spanish tournaments because I th- something happened there where there was no drama at all. It was just someone used a converted miniature that was av- extravagantly posed, but still on the right base with the right weapons. And, you know, if you play kill team, you know, line of sight, if you're overhanging the base, it's actually a detriment because if you've got like a large cape, it means you're more target. Cause like if someone sees a cape, they yeah, can shoot you. Absolutely. But it was kind of like, it just spiraled into this going like, okay, we were talking about TTS, but what do you have wrong with the Spanish tournaments? And then like <laughs> the Spanish people came in and it was like, no, 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 no. And then that just ended that conversation. Yeah. I find, I find the, the model um, things pretty hilarious because obviously firstly, the TO is allowing it. Yeah. Um, I know there was a little bit of controversy at KTO with Jimmy Kelly using Thousand Sons as um, as custodes, but it's funny oh. because he had his custodes there. His son was just my um, was just playing with them. So like he he modeled his Terminators with shields. So yep. he had Thousand Sons Terminators as his custodes, and oh, then he had his fun. then he had his uh, his Thousand Sons um the uh, the sisters with bolters with just thousand sons with bolters and all of his his um uh the chicks with the swords were just zangors and the zangors are a lot more you know 
a lot more kind of crazily, you know. Yeah, they're taller than because I have Sisters of Silence. <laughs> they're Sisters of Silence are very they're tall, but they're quite slim. So actually, it doesn't make any difference. Like I, yeah. I thought you were going to say it's like because I've seen a lot of Harlequin players or Void Dance players, whatever, who get very defensive and saying trimming off all the rocks on their bases is fine, which isn't, and that's a very different thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's funny, I have the old Harlequins. I don't have any new Harlequins. Actually, I lied. I have a brand new box, of brand new, but it's my wife's. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I have all the old ones, and apparently those aren't, aren't cool to play anymore either. But I, to be fair, I also have the old, old first edition Tau stuff. They're not first edition. They came out in third. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yes. The, the, the first Wave. iteration of Tau. Yes, there you go. Of of uh, the Tau rail rifles on the yeah, 90, 90 millimeter mm-hmm. um oval bases laying flat you know and while they're awful for kill team because you can't you can't see anything from their head <laughs> yeah um you also can't see them yeah. <laughs> and they're official gw models you know but um <clears throat> what's the funny thing one of the discord someone was like oh i specifically bought the rogue trader or like pre-metal uh harlequins because they're smaller and then everyone was like but just abusing line of sight. Like, no, no, no. I, I actually bought them because I really like them. And I'm like, but this uh, is what you said. Oh, yeah. Like, right. It's interesting yeah. Thing when we, clearly. Yeah. But when we play it, so like Warhammer World has a really good rule where it's called like modeling for disadvantage. So right. if you try to model for advantage, you get all the penalties, but your opponent gets the benefit. So if you had like the rail rifle, because you had someone trying to do that. Um, for example, when they're shooting at that rail rifle, they always count as if you were standing up. So you would be, they would be able to see you as the normal model. But then when you're trying to shoot with that model, because you're lying on your, you have to use the um, the disadvantage of lying oh. flat so you actually can't see anyone. So mm. if you were trying to use them to like uh, s- secure objectives, the issue you'd have is your opponent would be able to shoot if you if they can get a shot, but you're just stuck not being able to shoot unless you basically angle out. Because um, you've had like... There's so many people who try to model for advantage. Like it's it's actually quite ridiculous. Yeah, it's it can be it can be scummy at times. Yeah, like it's, it's like it's you can tell when people are doing it because it's the way they act and the way their models have been modeled. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to like explain via like just you know words alone. But you, when you've played enough tournaments, you can kind of tell. Yeah, I also think that there are a lot of people out there that that don't do it intentionally. You know, oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, there's a lot that don't. But uh, there are definitely those people out there that will that will or possibly try to model for advantage. And I think it, I think it's mostly on the TOs at that right, point. To, you know, to approve yes. it, to write it in the packet, make sure things get approved, and then to adjust standings or scores apparent, uh, appropriately, depending on um, if if that rule was abused or not. So yeah, because it's mainly down to the flaws of line of sight, where it, it basically should be like old editions, where you can only shoot at core parts of the model, so like the arms, legs, heads, and mm-hmm. not where it works now, which is any part. So if you can see their cape, gun butt, knife tip, you can you can shoot yeah, them. Yeah, gun tip. Uh, I remember in I think it was fifth edition of forty k. Um, any, you like guns didn't count. It was pretty much just like yes. the model itself. Yep. So I had these like crazy Wraith Lords with like giant capes because they were cool at the time. And then it's like, yep. well, if I brought those out in ninth edition, like I might as well just <laughs> not bring oh, them no, because 100%. of the yeah, cape. You know? I think the craziest thing I've done in Kill Team, there was, um, 
a legionary sergeant intercession i uh, know intercession squad sergeant with like a power sword raised up on engage but completely hidden behind like an octarius corner like a corner building but the problem is his sword tip was um reaching over the wall and then i was like so technically you can't be seen and you are more than two inches from any source of heavy but the issue is i have just put four marker lights on you and i now ignore obscuring because you have an engage order i can see your sword i can shoot you so i shot him to death (laughs) that yeah yeah, it's Killed and, by and the sword. It, it happened. <laughs> yeah. It happens with gene stealers too. Gene stealers can ignore oh, obscurity. Gosh. You know, like so. I mean, there's definitely those those ways to to get around it. And I think I think those are are viable and okay. I don't know if kill team's going to get rid of it. I think that it would be nice if they did. But well, the, I I would love it for in the next edition. But the issue is all DW games use. They, they've switched from, oh, you can only shoot the core parts of the model to now anything counts, even 40k yeah. Sigma. I mean, they can well, do what, what Star Wars well, Legion did and create like a silhouette so that it goes around the base and that's the silhouette of getting shot at. But then they they'd could. have to make different silhouettes for heights, which yes. is, yeah. is doable. I don't so think that's the only real thing I could think of. Yeah, I don't well, think GW do don't like copying other game systems. They, they like don't. to do it themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think another thing that's interesting about Kill Team is that. Um, I mean, at that point, we could all just play with cylinders. You know what I mean? So it's kind of yes. like... Right, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like... it's. I, I find it... I find it fascinating and interesting that with the, with the changes of 10th that are going to be coming up, because a lot of times you can spot... Always in retrospect, you can spot rules that are coming up in the new editions, right? So like... Um, I think ninth edition had a lot of secondaries from old kill team, right? Or like things that were similar that weren't in there beforehand. Um, and then you, and then you see, then you see like stuff from, um, you know, boarding actions leaking its way into 10th edition or, I mean, to be honest, they probably made 10th edition first and they made boarding actions afterwards. Um, to try and like show a couple things where it's like, oh, you can choose three of any mod of any any team or whatever. So I wonder in 10th edition, you know, the rumors are that kill team is supposed to be redone next year or the year after. Um, If we're going to, if we're going to see any of those, any changes from 10th going to kill team, because I mean, technically they've taken the cards from kill team um, just because it seems to be a better game mechanic at the uh, easier way to, to store information at least. Well, what I think is more like, uh, Kill Team is going to copy more of their changes in terms of... I could see some simplif- simplification. I think the next edition, which should come in 2024 of August, although that upsets a lot of people, even though li- I could feel in- into forever about that. Uh-huh. But it's like, I think they will definitely copy the free online rules um, because if they're doing with 40k, they'll do it with Kill Team. Absolutely. And some more simplify... Because I think the oh, they weirdest could simplify, thing... They could simplify line of sight. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like, I love line lasers, right? But it's hilarious that GW are technically promoting a game company because they don't make a line laser army painter do. So, mm-hmm. because they won't make their own unless they suddenly do for the next edition. But if they don't, they continue to promote another game company's line laser. Because you yeah. could buy the heavy, like Black & Decker $50 one that some people <laughs> generally recommended to me. 
Um, and I was like, no. But it's like they, I, I see, I can see us going like full digital rules, a tidying up, like a proper rule book instead of a rule book that has rulings all over the place, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they they had to redesign that a little bit. I mean, I mean, the fact that you have like a rule book and a compendium, like two separate things, it was just mind boggling. <laughs> it was so hard when I was first getting into Kill Team this edition. I was like, wait, why is there no teams in the rule yes. book? I was so confused. And they're like, oh, there's another book. I was like, so, so I have to go back to the game store and buy yep. another book. I was very upset. Um, yeah. And at tournaments, we're carrying just the whole bin full of books. I guarantee you the codexes that are coming up for the new, uh, for the new teams in 10th are going to be laid out exactly like you see um, kill team stuff. That was kind of my, yep. my thoughts before, because in boarding actions, they only have six, six ploys that you can do. And then mm-hmm. they have, and then apparently the new edition is going to have retroactive things you can do. They're probably going to have some, some team stuff. But when you look at the boarding action stuff, it's just two pages. It's just two pages of rules. And it's like, oh, I can see where this is going. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm excited yeah. for it. Oh, me too. Cause I think 40K is a mess at the moment. And like, where it's blip. They've, they've gone way, like, I think it's worse than seventh edition now just because it's, it's weird. It's not as broken as 7th edition, but it's way too deep to invest in. Like You mm-hmm. have to study your codex for at least two to four weeks before you can play a game if you want to play it competitively. Agreed. And then you have to try and learn everyone else's. Yeah, so, man, that's a, that's a hard part. It's too much memory. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm betting they're going to add crits to 40k. Like, instead of... Because they have stuff triggering on their 6, right? So there's... They look, GW love adding crits to their game. They added it with Underworlds, Warcry... Now kill team, I'm sure they're at it to 40k. Because That's that true. just broadens the amount of GW games I can officially play on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think um I think that could be the case. I mean, I know they like exploding sixes, and they kind of already yep. did that before with some things. That would be a f- uh, that's a cool that'd be a cool rule for them to add some kind of crit mechanic instead of like exploding sixes. I mean, you already saw um like twin linked was added back in. Right. As like, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff coming up for 10th, but because they know, can the, just say, cause they have a lot of stuff that triggers on sixes. They can just replace that with a critical hit. And then a critical hit is if you roll a six, a natural yeah. six. I'm hoping that would be nice. Oh yeah. Still some yeah. dice. Probably, probably a lot of like core, not core abilities, maybe stratagems that did extra damage, things like that would be built into the crit. Cause if they're getting rid yeah. of a lot of those, but they're baking them into the sheets, that would make the most sense. Yeah, because they kind of did the reverse where they took out special rules and made them strats. Yep. And I think that granularity would be welcomed in Kill Team as if, if you just have a page of like, because you have so many teams with minus one damage or like plus black movement or even like, oh, they have like a five up or six up DPR. If they go like, oh, everyone just has feel no pain bracket, like stuff like that would just, even though Kill Team isn't too bad, just having them all in one kind of centralized place because it's, you have the current problem of 40k where there's so many things that do the same thing with different names. Absolutely. Um, taking a quick break from Kill Team for a second. Um, yep. Mr. John, what do you what do you do in your outside of Kill Team? Oh, well, I am a nurse in intensive care. So basically spend my time outside of content creation doing that. <laughs> 
That's technically right. helping people with Kill Team, but that kind of is part of the channel, I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a, do you feel like, um, do you feel when you're helping these people in intensive care, do you feel, um, like you've done something for them? Um, like, do you feel like any sort of sense of accomplishment? I know that there's like, I've only done something like, for instance, I've only done something like this once where I was working as Batman at six flags and this girl this mom had a heat stroke or a stroke. I'm not sure which. And she was in the, like the medical bed or whatever. And the kid was crying on the, on the, you know, and me and Robin were walking by where we take our costume. We're going to take our costumes off and, and hang out uh, and cool off. Uh, and instead we sat there and we talked to these kids for 30 minutes to try and make them feel better. Obviously um, I promised that their mom was going to be okay. Obviously, if the mom is not okay after this, they they hate Batman and Robin for the rest of their life. Yes. But at least uh, if if she was okay, I was a miracle worker. Uh, but it 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 left me a real f- sense of like I did something that was important, and it made me feel really good inside. Uh, has the normal day to day life gotten to you, or do you feel the same way, or like why did you choose this uh, form of of work? Well, firstly, that's really cool stories. Really good you did that. Um, like it's really sweet. Uh, but I did it because I just like helping people. Like it was either medicine or nursing, so I just went into nursing instead. Um, I kind of get that, but it's kind of like because in intensive care you look after the sickest patients in the hospital slash country. Yeah, so so you're kind of always dealing with people who are generally dying or on the brink of death. Or mm-hmm. deteriorate rapidly, and then potentially die. So you're kind of always doing that. So I kind of do every day, but it it's weird. It's not like oh, I just it's like normal to me now. It's just kind of um, like you still have to be super compassionate and caring. And yeah, it, like that's the reason I mainly do the job. But you- it's kind of like um, you have to separate it a bit because otherwise you get too into the job in terms of like it affects you too much uh-huh. so if you lose like uh because you have sometimes when patients just die all the time and then yeah. you have to like deal with the relatives or break bad news that's usually the worst thing um but it's just trying to keep them positive while you do the best you can even if you know it's not going to work but it's just showing they tried like because the worst thing is if you just go to them like oh yeah they're going to die but um so we're just going to kind of keep them stable for a bit until you say goodbye and then just stop everything. Or like, um, we could do stuff with this, but you know what I mean? It's just being passionate and not letting it become mundane. Has the, has the emperor ever like reached out and healed somebody that you didn't think was going to be healed? Oh, I think when I was in my first job, we had a guy who had like, I think it was like 40 minutes of downtime. So he had, cause generally 40 minutes of downtime, he's had a heart attack and then there was like no CPR for something like 40 minutes. So effectively, mm-hmm. After three minutes, you get permanent brain damage. So this guy came in from ITU, discharged onto the ward, and we were like thrashing about, not responding. And we were like, oh, this guy's never going to make out. And then literally a month later, we discharged him home because he just like miraculously survived somehow. Like he somehow had minimal brain damage. I guess he was just like shallow breathing while he had no CPR for 40 minutes. And then um, he just miraculously recovered. And then it's like on the flip side, I've seen someone who only had downtime for like six minutes 
and they just had severe brain damage. And wow. it's just like, yeah. So it's it's crazy. I think that that's the one that would stick with me because it was literally like the prognosis that's, was just horrible. That's and then cool he just that you, ended up that, working. Yeah, it's cool that you've 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 actually experienced that thing because you hear those people that are like, oh, this dude was like brought into the morgue or like this person was dead for literally two hours from a car accident and then they wake up and they're like completely fine. Um I always find that like super fascinating that something like that could happen in because because you're always told like after four minutes, you know, like you typically get brain damage. And then there's yes. just a couple people that, you know, just like miraculously healed, you know? It's, super it's cool. weird. You kind of can relate into Warhammer because it's like, you know how people live and die by the stats. They're like, oh, you're, you're always going to row X. Well, it's like yeah. when it comes to medicine, we have like, there's like an 80 or 90% chance this is going to go this way over 95% chance, but there's always a chance it could go the other way. So that's what mm. we always have to explain. Even if you're like, predicted to survive something there's always a chance something could go wrong um so it's like you always have to keep in mind anything can happen because i think that's something a lot of people forget because they they listen to statements with the st- statistics and then they just go one way or the other they view as if they're always what right or they're always wrong whereas it's like both can be true yeah it's um it's pretty interesting my as well speaking about miracles my when my wife uh got pregnant and gave birth she miraculously got healed from an autoimmune disease uh, nice. and the, the doctors don't know like how it happened but they're like they have no they're like well this isn't possible but yet you're healed from it now so it's kind of like um perhaps like the stem cells healed her or yeah. fixed her or something you know yeah. uh when she healed herself wild yeah but i mean it's just like those kind of things are just like you know, super fascinating. And so it's just because I get on my knees and I pray to the emperor every day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I'm playing the reason, uh, when I'm playing vet guard or I'm playing like Imperial factions, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for my opponents. You know, I'm like, all right, you know, like, come on, get on your knees, pray with me. And I'll, I'll get down and I'll, I'll pray to the emperor, you know, or I'll put my little like symbol up or whatever. Yeah. And then they won't, and then they'll roll like all ones. And I was like, "Oh, you should have my guy." <laughs> oh, that reminds me of another story because we had a guy who was crushed by a lift in my old IT. Oh. So it's like it's it's this the freak thing of where he walked out of the lift and midway the lift just suddenly dropped. And that's an and elevator then, for us Americans. Go ahead. Yeah, and then it like it didn't like snap him in half. It just stopped where he was, but it pressed him down flat, so it like oh, crushed Lord. his liver. Uh-huh. and we thought he wasn't going to wake up. So he had a liver transplant, and he wasn't waking up, and we were like, oh, we don't know. Like Generally, the prognosis is poor, because he was only like 24. But his family were like very religious, and they brought in like these crystal prayer crystals, uh-huh. and then they just like showered his bed with them. And we were like, okay, we'll just... They're not harming the patient, and like they're clean, so we'll just leave them. And then like literally a month later, he ended up being discharged to the ward because he made a full recovery. Because, wow. yeah, because it, it wasn't just crushing on his liver, it was crushing on like his spine and his ability to breathe. So we weren't sure how much he was able to breathe as well, because obviously he had a full elevator, like crushing his abdomen. And then that just kind of went the other way. And we were like, maybe it was because he was young. And then the family were like, <laughs> it was the prayer crystals. And we were like, we're not going to say anything. Whatever. It just, yeah. All right, everybody, go get yourself some crystals and wear them around your neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what what kind of crystal? No, just kidding. Um, it's interesting because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like um, um, people can say like faith can can heal people 
just as much as other people will say that sometimes it's just your mental state or yes. the power of of thinking as well, which is both like I don't think like medically like true or accurate, but like you know sometimes if you think you're going to be healed, you just orc it you orc it into existence. You know what I mean? Yeah, orc it into existence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, Giacomo, quick question for you. Yeah. We were talking about hobby earlier. Um, Where are you at in your Into the Dark? Did you actually start your second set this weekend? Yes, it's currently sanded, but not sprayed down. So everything is, you know, it's all cut out, sanded so that they'll fit with, with a spray can once I spray it down and it won't get all stuck. And then it should be good. And I'm gonna—I'm a lazy painter when it comes to terrain. I use rattle cans, and I call it a day. Most of it us. Looks, that's fun. It looks all right, you know. It's all I need it to be. <laughs> I mean, I—I I recently sanded down all of my into the dark. I think it took three hours because I used a Dremel, mm-hmm. so like a hand sander. Oh, and wow. the issue is now it's—it's it's very loose, so it's all going together. But the issue is now because there's no traction. They're not actually, they're still not lining up properly. And now the main problem is because I use objective markers, like they're like one, two millimeter thick. Mm-hmm. Because the, the way into the dark is some of the boards, the objectives overlap the boards, the walls. So now I'm still getting the uneven stuff because I've refused to sand the tops for the caps because I'm like, just, I don't do that again. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Just waiting for season three to get rid of Into the Dark. Even though I'm actually enjoying Into the Dark now, I just hate building boards. I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. They invested too much in all these walls. You never know. Did you know all the Octarius is gone, by the way? Did you know it's all the um, season one terrain is now gone from the GW website? It's been gone for about one to two months. Wow. Wow. In about six months, all the Into the Dark terrain will be gone. So all all the boarding patrols are one print done. So I know on the website they said they're here to stay. Once those all sell out, they're gone. So they're not coming back. That is, that is true. Yeah, you can't really find the Abaddon one anymore. Well, because really? people got upset to me about this, but the issue is if you look at all GW terrain, because I think, um, you know, when they did their terrain years ago, they had this issue of because it was too expensive. It wasn't selling, so it just ate Shat. up stock. So now they have terrain that basically has a one to two year lifespan. Yep. And then once it's gone, it's gone. Because I w- really wanted to buy a Vertigo set, but about a year after it was released for Ninth Edition, that's all gone. Uh, all the Sector Mechanica stuff is basically gone unless it's been re-released for Necromunda or Kill Team. But even then, all that's gone. So in about six months' time, all the Into the Dark terrain will go as well. I mean, I could definitely see that happening. I hope it doesn't. I hope they change the mold this time. But I definitely have seen that happen. I think the only time that 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 has changed was or that they did not stick to that mold was the cities of death way back in the day they actually made that and it was like a long ongoing product for a while but i have noticed that it's very difficult to get uh imperialis um in different different kinds of gw terrain and it would not surprise me that if you can't buy this terrain i guess you just have to buy the new stuff Yep. You know, from GW, I mean, and that's kind of the way they go. The upside is at least they have terrain types. So even if you're not using terrain from season one, it still applies to season two or season three or whatever they're going to call it at that point. Yes. It's still at least just a, a frame. And you could, that's why we use different terrains, not just stuff from GW. It works. Oh, yeah. 
Let's let's move into a little speculation. What do you guys think the terrain set is going to be for third edition or for th- season three, other than open? Like, do you have any specific ideas? Oh man, I, I I think I have to at this point. So like, people kind of think it's a meme now, but definitely jungle, right? So mm-hmm. this is my cra- I don't think jungle is going to happen, but it would it would fill me with immense joy if we got updated jungle terrain because I personally think we're just going to get updated forty k terrain that's going to scale for kill team and forty k. Yeah, but that's the rumor. If if we actually got jungle, I would make it light with vantage points, so no heavy. But if you um, end or like start an action on a vantage point, you take like d6 mortal wounds from like venomous plants. So okay. it's like if you actually want to stay on vantage points and get shots, you're going to take damage because there's like venomous plants everywhere. And then you have like dangerous terrain. So there's stuff you can traverse, but you take, there's a chance you take damage as you move through it That's and just cool. give proper jungle terrain. But That'd what be cool. I believe is going to happen personally is just because you can kind of see it with the new Astra Militarum defense line, just scalable, dense city fighting terrain. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the route they're going to go through. I think. Uh, my current guess, and this is a wild speculation, that's not going to happen. And in, in fact, I would love the jungle terrain because I would love to see Catachans versus oh, yeah. like versus striking scorpions or Catachans versus like um or the Tanith, you know, versus yep. versus uh, like ex- uh, Exodites or something. That would be really cool. Yep. Um, but I. Th- I would also like to see a crashed spaceship since that's the quote unquote gallo fall. Um, I'm not a fan of the narrative reason. It's like, Oh, this spaceship's now crashing. It's like, Oh, come on guys. It's such a, it's such a stereotypical troll. I was not a fan of their reasoning of why the gallo dark is ending. They're like, well, we have to get rid of it somehow. Let's just crash it into a planet. So I guess they just could continue fighting on the planet. That's going to have gallo dark and open terrain. Well, so this is the weird thing, right? I thought the setting, the way I read it was it's, it's supposed to represent multiple space hulks, but then people have been telling me, no, it's actually everything is literally happening on this one space hulk. That, and I was apparently. like, that makes no sense. <laughs> right, like, there's like so many different teams on this and none of them feel right. We must yeah. be getting arcs of omen and boarding action or, Boarding action and um, and kill team. I was also under the under the uh, impression that it was multiple. Um, it was multiple. I'm also going to say that I was extremely disappointed that the only things that came out of this extra additional sets of terrain were like blow up doors and like weird. I like the I, the last set has the best like third. Third, it has uh, scatter terrain pieces. Yeah, scatter. Yeah. It has the best scatter, in my opinion. Yeah, this one with the little drop pods are there. They're okay. It's not. It's I not actually my favorite. like the, the pipes and walls from the first one. It's just they've been banned to the shadow realm, so we'll we'll yeah, never so, see them. You know, uh, well, it's, it's like it's it's what, what really confused me. I read the book and I was like, oh wow, so we're probably going to have like a cargo hold for one mission, mm-hmm. like for one map. And then we're going to have like a all bridge. these damaged walls or like, yeah, layered. And then the final one is probably we're going to have the Gallo Dark crash. So we're going to have like all these, because they describe like toxic waterfalls, like biodomes of just where it's like nature's run rife. So I was like, oh, they're going to like 
you know, new unique terrain where it's like you've got this mix of like they've crashed into a planet, so you've got half the board is like a spaceship and the other half is like jungle flora. No, that's it's just exactly like, what I thought was going to happen yeah. when we were discussing future stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you well, can still get, keep into get, the dark like, that way. Into but we get dark. random yeah. turrets to blow up walls. Um, or a game within a walls. game. Yeah. Really small drop pods that everyone is supposed to escape pods. Everyone's supposed to use. And it's like, okay. spinning it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Don't even get me started on the, uh, those dwarves. Like, uh, I don't my mind wife, them. I like my them. wife also hates the dwarves. Um, I like them. I'm actually not the biggest fan of the Beastmen. Um, hang me now. I know internet, you know, oh, there's a lot well, of people I, that like I, the I don't really care for the Beastmen myself either. It's not my style. So my thing with the Beastmen, they've made them like, cause I thought they looked good in Blackstone Fortress and I looked at Blackstone Fortress and I went, no, well, I made a horrible mistake cause they have these <laughs> weird human faces. Uh-huh. So they've made the faces less human, but they're still too human. And then as a result, they've made their legs really thick, like just the <laughs> legs, super thick. Yeah. Um, but, I know it's like I'm trying to look at the upsides of the beastmen. The fact they're only ten, I have a sinking feeling they are gonna be horrible because there's only ten of them. They may have a six up armor save. The only thing that could probably save them outside of Into the Dark is if they all forward deployed, because they're not all gonna be like all white movement. They have no guns. Their their melee is probably gonna be four attacks, three, four. Maybe hitting on threes, probably hitting on fours. Like, oh god, I'm. I want to be hopeful for them, but their standout thing is they have a psyker and a really beef guy, and then a guy with a mask who can throw smoke grenades. That yeah. is the range threat of the team. I I think that I'm going to put out a wild speculation that whenever they charge, they're going to do mortal wounds, and that might help because they're beastmen and they have horns. Um, that's my only, my only justification for this, this well, thought they process. Have, they had the rule of savage charge, so I could see them doing that. I also think they could be eight, uh, eight inch moves, so four white, because Ooh, that could be spicy. They need something, right? They're a melee team. They're going to be fine into the dark because they won't be shot until they get into range. But it's like, you look at it and it's not like other teams where you can go, oh, you know, they'll probably have X and white. X and Y, and you look at this team and go, oh my gosh, come on, there's got to be something good here. Um, they they all have grenades on the models, so maybe maybe a lot of models come with grenades. Uh, they they have really muscular beastmen. He has really, <laughs> really thick legs for some reason, especially like, wow. Um, it, it's, it's not like I'm going to go, oh yeah, these are horrible. It's like, I'm trying to find positives, but it's really hard, really hard to be positive about that team. Yeah, um, I do like the dwarves. I've always liked the space dwarves. I like some of their. I, I'm not the biggest fan of their like their land train redo the turtle looking thing. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that. But the rest of them, I like their hover things. I like how the women don't have beards. Um, and uh, I I think that the the stereotypical dwarf voice, while it was needed because you wouldn't have known they were space dwarves unless if he had the that was the dwarf a dwarf voice. I thought it was like some weird Asian voice. I think it was Scottish. I think it was like broken Scottish. Probably, that is yeah, not <laughs> someone who thing. knows a lot of Scottish people. That is not Scottish. To us Americans, to us Americans, it was Scottish. Um, it's, I don't mind the aesthetic, but <laughs> when I get that team, I'm never giving them bare heads. Their bare heads all look horrible. 
in my opinion. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> they don't look like... I'm not saying like they need beards, but it looks like they're just weird human heads on dwarven bodies. And it looks... Some of the heads work, but it's when it's like, you know, you've got the, the muscular topless ones where the head has to meld into the body. It looks right. So I'm just going to put helmets on all of them. Um, it's like, the funniest thing is about that kill team. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to be free white. I'm like, no, they are going to be two white, eight wounds, a four up save. They are, they look great on paper, but when you realize they can, they can't cross a single square into the dark in a single move. You're going to realize they have big problems. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that would be really bad. I like that they have the little AI dude. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking at the, uh, them right now. I like one of the female heads. Everyone on this podcast knows that I'm always a stickler for having nice female sculpts. Yeah. Um, I like this dude that looks like, um, Cheech and Chong. That's the, that's the, that's the movie, right? One of them has a, has a Cheech and Chong head, which is cool. And then well, the I think of- the interesting thing, so I was actually discussing this yesterday with my friend. So mm-hmm. I think, because the thing is the box can either be built in 40k with either bolters or iron rifles. I think they're going to pull a, what do you call it, uh, RBTs, where only four of the entire kill team or something, or like three, can have the iron guns. Because the iron guns in 40k are two damage, strength five, AP two. Whereas their bolt guns are Astartes bolters, so they're AP one. So it's like, I, I believe their bolt guns will be, oh, what is it? Three, four with piercing one, like uh, intercession bolters. And then their ions are probably going to be four, five, AP one. But the issue is you cannot have a kill team with 10 guys with um, four guns. Well, four shots hitting on threes, four, five, AP one. Because yeah, I mean, you wouldn't take any specialists at that point. You could just take yeah. the whole team <laughs> standard yeah. dudes. Exactly. So you can see some of the specialists are locked into mostly bolt guns. And I think they'll do like with the RBTs, where in the exaction squad, they can only take up to four guys with shields, excluding the leader. Right. So they're probably going to limit that because, as I said, literally, if I had the choice and I were like, oh, this specialist does something really neat, but you know what's better? An ion gun, because that's going to murder everyone because it hits on freeze and they'll have grudge tokens. So well, assumingly they'll have grudge tokens. So yeah, that would yeah, be cool I can, if I they did. That. Uh, there's some kind of mining expedition team, right? It, so far, I uh, in their preview, I only see one ion gun. So they might even just do one. You know, well, like, once, uh, once I think the, the guy with all the carrying stuff has an ion gun because he doesn't have a boat gun. Uh, everyone else has a boat gun apart from the normal warrior with an ion gun as well. Then you've got grenade guy where well, i think his grenade strap is longer than his height but anyway yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> and he, he definitely he's definitely dragging some uh dragging some nades on the ground i mean my favorite one is the boxer because it's just like oh you yeah. what are you saying mate it's just literally <laughs> running around he's a like four inch uh, midget it's brass just, knuckles <laughs> yeah it's just like oh my gosh it's like the boxer's also my favorite uh and then yeah, the jetpack guy is the back and then I, the, I, the ai guy is my third so I would love it if the jump pack is one one turn only use because it looks like it can just fall off after it's done. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> um, hopefully he gets like a ten inch move. That'd be amazing. Well, because the thing is, what I was what I was pointed out to me with my friend is like the leader can either take a plasma pistol, an iron pistol, or a boat pistol, and then they have a plasma axe, a power weapon, and then an iron fist. So I oh. think they're going to lock out the iron fist to like the boat pistol. Right, or yeah. maybe the power weapon and the power axe. So the 
the Ion thing is just going to be a power fist. I think the power axe would just be um, four, like five. a brutal power four, weapon. Five. It won't have any phase blade, blade from uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because uh, like the the power sword is obviously going to be lethal five up, right. but the axe, it's it has like reap basically in forty k, so Ooh, they okay. can't they can't make it like a power weapon but better. So they're going to make it like in Drukari where they made the venom blade four four. Oh yeah, um, I can see that something a little yeah. different. Yeah. What is your guys' favorite beastman models? I'm re looking at them again, and I like some of them, and I dislike others. I respect the that their leader's upgraded weapon because he has a chainsword, so he, he becomes four five damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, most most factions get like a plasma pistol, a fusion pistol. He gets a bolt pistol, so he's really <laughs> living life. Because <laughs> at its fullest, I think they're going to yeah. get five attacks. That might easy. that might help them out. Yeah, five easy. attacks so. hitting on fours. I like damage. the weird chain mace. You can't properly see it, but it's like a mace yeah. with chains. That looks dumb. But I think my favorite has to be either the Psyker. Actually, I'm going to have to do it. I, I have to go with the thick guy. He's so thick. Yeah. Like, can't see he's so thick. He has to be my favorite. Shout out to My favorite is the, uh, is the dude with, the, with his like, power fist thing above the yeah. head. Yeah. You know? Yep. That he's yeah, going to be the, he's going to be he's going to be the one that's that that is like strong you know and then you have your demon looking dude with the uh, who's blind he'll probably be like an anointed he has a grenade as well for some reason even though he can't see yeah. so I like to imagine he pulls the pin and then like a dog he goes no mine and just holds it instead of throwing it and just blows up <laughs> I, I like to think all these guys are probably going to have grenades like you mentioned earlier because it would feel right like a one time use weapon they. Technically, would have to um, because a, you've got a guy with like a dream catcher. You've got two guys with like <laughs> it axes. Is a yeah, it is. <laughs> and then you've got a guy with a giant gong. So it's oh my god. Maybe the gong he can bang it and people move forward or something. Yeah, something they move like faster. I, yeah, he's like, he's going to be like the leash master, but for everybody, oh, can you for if he's all the beasts that comes. It's like, that, oh, they just hit the groove and they get plus one APL. You know, I did not realize that as a gong. I thought you were just making a joke, but that's actually oh. a gong. I thought it is was it? a shield. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a gong. Like, I'm generally not trying to take the piss out of this team. I actually like it, but I'm like, I, it, my, my, my realistic voice is going, oh, come on, John. There's only, there's only so many ways you can spin this. There's just like, we have to see the rules because at the moment it's from visions alone. It's not, not going well. Like, yeah. Okay, it may not be a dream catcher. It looks like a coiled up whip. So it's either a coiled up whip or a dream catcher because he doesn't want ever anyone having bad dreams. So. I think it's definitely the a whip, but yeah. a dream catcher. I I, like I, I might just though. I might just turn it into a dream catcher when I yeah. get the model. Like, um, no bad vibes, guys. That's just him running around <laughs> the board. Yeah, I I think my two favorite models are on the same slide, and it's the dude with the fist and the dude that has the uh, the mask on with the with the demon claws. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, thick, big old, yeah. big old claws. Yeah, he's the he's the thick boy. I'm I, I like myself some thick boys. I really do think everyone's gonna have grenades because everyone literally has grenades. Yeah, because they did so. it with the Gellapox. It's just going to be hilarious if they've given the blind guy grenades because I'm just like throw. It's like throw it where oh, he throws it at his teammates because he just hears noises. <laughs> so. That'd be a pretty cool rule. Something chaos, like chaos guides him. You know. But it's like, well, I think they'll be fine on Into the Dark because, as I said, Into the Dark really helps melee teams because 
they don't have to worry about being shot until they right. commit. But it's like what I worry about this team is on open play. Really worry about this team. So because there's only ten of them, from what we can see. If there was twelve, I'd be that's ah, not so bad because you they get outnumbered by blooded. So do you think they're yeah. going to have ten wounds? No, I think there'll be eight wounds. You think so? Okay. Yeah, because normal zangles are eight wounds as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If we're basing off a of bird boys, that's right. So, but it's like, how do you make them distinct from Kroot, but then also playable, but not too good, if that makes sense? It's, Give them all grenades and speed. Yeah, because <laughs> basically Soul Shackle completely threw me off after the direction of um, Shadow Votes. So, like, Soul Shackle showed us there is hope, actually. But then I'm like, I now have no idea what to expect for this final box. At all. Yeah, yeah I literally was like, I have no idea. It's going to be Votan versus Death Guard. That was my guess. And uh, I got one right. But Well, I knew it was going to be Votan. Because I was just it like, it's be, not right? going to be Tyranids. Because like, everyone was like, it's going to be Tyranids. And I, I was like, Tyranids are for so season bad. three. Tyranids are for season three. It's going to be yeah. the first box of season three. Yeah, probably. Probably um, Gene Steelers versus Primera Scouts. That's why I'd bet on. Yeah, that feels right because they're doing like the Eastern thing in 40K for 10th edition. Yep. So, yeah. You can have awesome Gene Steelers, but it's like the Beastmen, it's it's nice that they exist, I would say. It, it, yeah. it makes me hopeful we're going to see like a Hrud kill team, an Exodite kill team, um, like just more obscure Xeno stuff or stuff like we wouldn't normally see. Like you can even have, I guess, what like maybe not Alpha Legion infiltrators, like the Alpha Legion like cultists, but where you can see more obscure stuff. I don't even know. Like obviously, we'll get an Inquisitorial henchman. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of where you get the special stuff, so I I have a theory that I think we're going to see something in Chaos where they bring in different chaos factions under like one banner. So like we haven't seen the chaos neg negatron cultists come back yet. Right. We haven't yep. seen any of the AI stuff from black fortress. Cause it seems like a mm. lot of the black fortress stuff is coming back. Um, I could easily see where we get some kind of like a leader and then we get to pull from different chaos factions. So like you might be able to take a couple beastmen, a couple blooded, maybe a legionary, uh, and you kind of make a team that way. I think that could be a, a well, pretty spicy. What I expect is I definitely expect a mutant team. Like because if you played 40k in fourth edition, like Eye of Terror, you had this amazing like because Space Marines used to Chaos Space Marines used to be able to take mutants and you you built them from this mutant kit that could go. Um, I, I think remember those ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's literally one of the big things they're missing. So I I would Oof. expect like a mutant squad. Um, just like maybe led by a Chaos Space Marine, something like yeah, that, yeah. because mutants are actually one of the big things they're missing in 40k, because technically the Beastmen are human mutants, but in the in the narrative of 40k, mutants are a huge thing. You have planets where the entire workforce are mutants, so you can have kill teams of like mutant uprisings, to mirror like Gene Stilicons. Mm. So, I mean, I yeah, still expect cool. an annual as well this year that will probably have Death Guard, um, like any easy team that can be built is like could have been a white dwarf team will probably be an annual for this year. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I definitely see mutants coming back. Like that's the biggest thing they haven't done. 
that would be super exciting to have an annual. I didn't even didn't even think that they'd have an annual because they haven't released any White Dwarf teams. I think White Dwarf is dead. Yeah, no, so yeah. they, they've said at events White Dwarf isn't White Dwarf teams aren't coming back. But no. I would just ex- they said annuals are coming back, so I'd I'd expect the teams they would do for White Dwarf. They're just mm-hmm. going to drop four to six teams, and then in the next annual, that would be maybe we'll get lucky. Be a reason to buy it. Yep. Well, yeah, because like the Death Guard is an easy port. Um, you can do Craft World as a kill team as well, because you could just do a Guardian and Guardian Squad and Warlock, maybe yeah, sub true. in like Rangers as well. Um, obviously, Grey Knights are easy to do. Technically, Death Watch because they would just go like, "Here, just use this squad. Who cares? We <laughs> we'll wait for this kill team to get a pro- like this this range to get a proper update. Like you could See, even I, do. I'm still Snake hoping Bites. for. Oh, true. Yep. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for for um, tactical marines to come back, and then we all have to use the Space Marine heroes because I feel like that would <laughs> up the price of Space Marine heroes. I love Space Marine heroes. I think they look great. Oh no, they do. It's just like. They they should have been released earlier because it's like they were such good Agreed. models. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, but I like I definitely expect an annual as well. So, but I, I mean, like the weirdest thing is going to be for season three because they've kind of wrapped, they're like at the edge of what they can use without repeating. Like obviously, Space Marines are going to get another faction, but I, I can definitely see mutants. Uh, I'm shocked we haven't seen a Custodes team yet. Like it seems like. Annual. <laughs> no, because custodies are too weird to work in an annual because I think they don't want to run Sisters of Silence and Custodies together anymore. Because even in the 40k, they they can work together now, but they don't work as a like mixed squad. I mean, they could bring it back, but I think they would save them for like a upgrade sprue or a new kit. Okay, I could be helpful for that. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see somebody like whip out the misericordia and have it slashing something like that that could be fun yeah because i think the coolest thing for custodies is if they got eyes of the emperor as a kill team you just have five of them all like three or four apl free up save that kind of stuff because there's so much neat stuff they could do but it depends if they get an upgrade through or a new kit because we're obviously just going to get two new kits in the first box and then future boxes are just going to continue to be upgrade through and oh the new kit Right, remember, I, I, I expect GW to have a cavalcade of human teams ready to pump out every box to go like, well, you, you thought you were safe. Here's another human team. These guys have mustaches. All yeah. of them do. Like, <laughs> Mustache. Yeah. It's like, oh, you thought we were coming out with Catachans. Well, here's the Talaran Desertmen. <laughs> yeah. well, which would also be a popular hit, actually. You know, people. Like I mean, I mean, Elysian would be a better, a better pick. Oh, I would. Dude, I would die for Elysians. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. I would also die for, for the Catachans or it's some gonna be kind Ventrillion of- Nobles, guys. Ventrillion Nobles. Ah, no. Oh, a season of just <laughs> new human guard boxes. It's just like, oh, and here's uh, I don't know, Custodies first. Oh, yeah, Ventrillion Nobles. Whoa, the box is gone. <laughs> it's like, I mean, e- easy teams that will probably get an upgrade through is like I'm calling it now is like. Pathfinders, not Pathfinder, sorry, the the Tau Breachers slash Fire Warrior kit. Because yeah. I oh, thought yeah, that I was going to be fit into the dark. Because yeah. I was just like, just have a Breacher team. Um, but you, they could throw them in as an upgrade to be like, yeah, you got Pathfinders versus, I mean, you've got Breachers versus, oh, Catachans. Oh, the box is also gone. What, what a surprise. It's never going to come back in stock, guys. I would love and to seriously. see 
I would love to see a Tau Auxiliary box where you just have like, you literally go Star Wars with it. You know, I like the cantina where there's just a bunch of different kind of aliens. That would be so cool to see just like a bunch of different aliens the Tau have dominated and humans um, all in the box, you know, and that could be a really cool, spicy team. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. What, yeah, it's like the interesting thing. They have so much to harvest from because I played, I played a lot of Dark Heresy. So one team I think would be really cool. Like you can make it like three or four models, but you have the Umbra. So these are like spheres of shadow, but Ooh. then they, when they attack, they like spheres of darkness. They, they form into like mutated claws, like jaws, all this kind of stuff, and it's like they're super hard to kill. So you can just have like four, like one as an orb, one morphine, all this kind of stuff. Like, like they could do cool stuff with that because really they can cool use team. kill team to show off. Like it'd be hard to actually go like, cause they technically follow the God or something like that, but they exist. Um, cause the funny thing is when they die, they just go pop, uh, but they take a lot to kill. So it's just, they're kind of, Oh, there's something like D and D it's, it's like, they're like shapeshifters effectively, but their their natural form is just a giant black sphere that floats across um, the planet. It's Incredible. terrifying. It's terrifying, yeah. but, but also, but also cool. Uh, uh, speaking of, speaking of, uh, of the towel and stuff, let's, let's move into some far stalker kinban. You are one of the few people I saw take it to uh, LVO. And how, how yes. did that, how did that go on your first day? So, uh, I do want to main Barstalker Kimban, but they have a big problem. And the big problem is the meta in terms mm. of they're a very good kill team and they are very good at scoring, well, maxing tack ops and also getting across the board and killing specific targets with their strats up. So, if they have a Call the Kill and Vention of the King Kimban, so Call the Killers, in the strategic phase, your leader picks someone they can see, you get to retain a hit for everyone. And then Vengeance of the Kin Band is when someone kills you, you spend a CP, you get relentless against them for the rest of the turning point or the rest of the game. So they're really good at picking off key models. But then the the problem is once they run out of that support, they come down to relying on dice. And even though they have improved ballistic skill, they have minimal reroll access and Mm. outside of their target. So you, you kill two targets, you go, this is great. And then you're at the mercy of dice and they're wildly swingy. Because the thing I found is if you're playing a four-round tournament, one of your rounds, the dice will just collapse. And that's basically what happened to me in round three. Because I was like, this crew hound will charge, gets four hits, instantly kills one blade, uh, normal guy, that's fine. The one I need to kill, charges in, rolls a single hit, reroll, because it was a crit, into another miss. And I was Oof. like, I can't spend like three CP rerolling the rest. And yeah. then it's the issue of, they're really good at eliminating key pieces but when like they have to do it without support they struggle so much and especially if you can't set up call the kills or ventures of the kin band you're just charging in and hoping for the best so sometimes i felt like that with vet garden um against certain teams like um like against legionary I made the mistake oh, yeah. in one of my games where I, I split up my Melta and my Plasma and I should have kept them both together because uh, on one turn, I ran up with the Plasma, shot, whiffed, ran up with the Melta, shot, whiffed. Um, but if I shot them both at the same person, that, that model would have died. Yeah. But um, And that's one out of six, right? But since I split targets because they went on two different sides of the map, um, which typically I don't do, I just don't know why I did it. But you know, 
I understand that sometimes the dice can definitely be swingy. So you want to make sure that with these models, you kind of stick them more together. Now with rogue, do you find that rogue is super helpful for your team where you get a, to retain an additional successful normal save in cover? It's really useful, and it also makes the Pathfinder matchup hilarious because now you're the fast talkers are a hard counter to Pathfinders. Huh. Nice. It, it, the only annoying thing is intercession get around it because they have super ignores cover where mm. they don't say they ignore cover. They just say you can't retain yeah. any dice as part of cover. <laughs> so they technically have the no cover rule, but without the actual calling out. So they ignore Rogue. And intercession is one of the toughest matchups because the biggest issue is the damage negation so breaches um would gray knights be difficult as well because they have this the psychic spell that does something similar really then yeah probably gray knights as well uh, <laughs> uh, but the issue is they're 12 wound no they're 11 wounds so it's not too bad yeah but it's like legionary is horrible because you you go to two four and because you don't have many lethal ways you're, you're just stuck doing two damage to most guys and then intercession are really tough because you need them to kill someone, so then you can trigger Vengeance of the Kinban to annihilate someone in return. But then the issue is, because without support, you're spending forever, like usually four operatives to kill a single Marine. And then wow, Breaches is horrible. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaches is really tough because of Brace and Eight Wounds. So your only hope is to charge dogs in and hope you just roll crits, because your crits go down to three damage instead of four. But if you force enough crits, you'll be able to just kill them and your dog will survive on like one wound. But it's horrible because the fast talkers are all about alpha striking, but against the elites and the stuff with damage to gave like Elucidy and Star Striders are oddly horrible because of their crazy um, halving damage every time the first time they fight or shoot at. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden you go, I'm going to hit you with your crit. And they go, oh, that's two damage. Uh, I'll hit you with a normal attack. That's two damage. It's like, and then you fight again and stuff and it's, because that's why I was hoping, because we haven't got the balanced data slate yet, if they in, if GW introduced a rule where damage negation is capped to a minimum of three, all of a sudden, Croot become way more useful because they're designed at pumping out free damage, but a lot of their popular matchups in the meta limit them to two or reduce their crit damage by one, which is just dramatically bad for them. Yeah. They, like, it's just... Running into Legionary and Breaches are probably the most depressing matchups because <laughs> you kind of, especially against Breaches, you have to go, yeah, just on loop, you score those points and then I'll kill you. <laughs> but the problem is they'll just alpha you in return and Legionary do the same, but they're just always in your face and you're like, oh gosh, I need you to kill this guy. So then my sniper is going to fish for crits because it gets lethal five up, so I'm going to use Vengeance of the Kimban to reroll all my hits until I just do 12 mortal wounds to you so you instantly die. And then I'm going to hope on the other guy, my bow kills you, and then for the, for the other four operatives for this turning point, I'm just going to somehow try and kite you and pray for the best, because I can oh. only kill two operatives a turn. So uh, Astral Aim from Grey Knights is, uh, until the end of the turning point, this operative's ranged weapons gain the no cover special rule. Oh, so that doesn't that doesn't ignore rogue. It's yeah. because the all specs on the intercession says they cannot retain any dice as a result uh, of cover, which yes, is no cover. But they didn't give it the no cover rule. So, like when you have the intercessions pulling up to the the crew going, well, technically we didn't say no cover, 
just said you can't retain anything and the crew are just going well you got us there that's fair as they die uh, yeah. but it's like the crew still have like their strength so like their biggest thing is bound so every time they drop traversal climb they ignore one white so they basically traverse for free and drop for free and like do crazy stuff for climbing except on chalnith because chalnith is an awesome terrain set for kill team awesome yeah. <laughs> uh, they still oddly have more speed because it will it will cost them t- one white to climb instead of two white and then they'll move across and then they'll drop for free so yeah, it's that's pretty nice yeah, so they effectively traverse over heavy walls, but their biggest strength at the moment is because of, you know, the sacred crit ops that has done so much for our game, because they basically, uh, they take recover item, then they take balance the books, and they basically spend another CP <laughs> to pick uh, implant and go, oh, is it turning point two? Look at the time. I've already maxed all my attack ops. Cool. Now we're just going to pull back and uh, we're just going to tie out this game. Or like, I'm going to make sure I take the lead on primaries and just run away from you. So we'll tie on primaries, but then I've got like six tack up points and you've got two to four. Yeah, at that like, point, you just have to play denial, right? Absolutely. Because uh, they're so, you can basically win the uh, the secondaries so quickly that you could just yep. play denial at that point. Because oh. you turning point one, you use the hound to dash first, then you do the gather. So it does an eight inch move. And during that move, it'll pick up for free. And then move back. So you, and if they kill that hound, it'll already be in your territory. So then you can place the hound near someone. So if the hound dies, it will drop the token within like an inch or white of another crew. And then turning point two, you just start charging stuff or get charged and go like, oh, by the way, implant. Uh, you you were going to kill me anyway. Uh, now I've got maxed my primary, and then you've got you reveal balance the books when you max balance the books. So as long as you don't lose more than six operatives by turning point the end of turning point two you will when you max recover item you will also max balance the books wow so See, the one thing you have to watch out for is not dying too much in turning point two gotcha that it's it's pretty fascinating i i think that uh crit ops definitely needs to be touched um i've talked about it I quite agree. a few times on our on our podcast um how would you do that? Because we've, me and Giacomo have given extensive answers um, on what we think needs to happen, but uh, we haven't asked you yet. So what do you think? Oh, so I would, uh, it's basically everything I said in my original video. So I would remove. Which uh, is on YouTube, right? Yep. I would okay. remove the, so it's when I reviewed the whole set. Cause I, it was funny. I got that. I think, oh gosh, it was after the U S open. So I finished the U S open final. And it was delayed. So then I got back and I read this and I was like, I really love the game at the moment. And then I read this and I was like, why? Why was <laughs> I meant to hurt so much? But basically, uh, I would remove fly from dash because it doesn't need it, messes up boards. I would remove fortify from being placed on bar- on buildings because it's, it's so, so it, dumb. It makes it difficult for... Uh, setting up it's it makes it difficult for organizers and people who make maps it's very difficult because that's what i complained about i was like look you've got teams that abuse it but the worst thing is because you've changed how dash and fortify work you now can't place uh vantage points within blue drop zones and you have to you it's completely nullified placing vantage points open to the opponent because now they can just uh use fortify to make that safe so there's those are huge problems in themselves and then the other thing is 
So they may touch that. And unfortunately, when it comes to the tack ops, they're going to do nothing, I believe. Oh, but what I would do awful. to the tack ops, recover item is very easy to fix. You can't place it within blue of the center line. So it basically has to be in your opponent's territory. Because one thing that really annoyed me when people were trying to defend recover item functioning in its broken state, because the silliest thing is you just put it on the center line. If you're fast enough, you can pick it up. Yeah. And the problem is you shouldn't be able to score at turning point one. Yeah, so the I way agree. to fix it is if it's more than blue from the center line, you could reach it turning point one, but you're suiciding to get it. So at that point, it's a bad trade. So you're, you're now setting up to get it turning point two, which allows your opponent to defend it better. And then I would change eliminate guards to your opponent has to decide who the guard is. Because it doesn't, it would kill the tack up. But the issue is, it's really weird for going like, who's the guard? And then the opponent who is protecting something to go, I want to let you decide who's guarding what. It doesn't make sense thematically because it's like, it's me going like, oh yeah, that guy with his back to the shadows where I can just sneak up behind him and instantly kill him. He's the guard on his own. It's not the one deep in your territory flanked by several other people who would technically be your guard. It's actually going to be this guy on his own. I'm going to go and kill him and get uh, an immediate free victory point. Because I, um, I think if you change those, those are fine. I was very against security for hold center line and central control stacking, but I think it's actually fine for the archetype. So I think yeah. if you just changed eliminate guards and retrieve item, the entire pack is fine. Because so, the biggest issue is people just abusing retrieve item, uh, recover item, whatever it's called now. Yeah, I I think that there's there's quite a few things. Um, in the pack, I think that one of which could be a really simple fix could be that you can't score any tack ops turning point one. That could be a really simple fix. I would also like to see if I really like your idea for uh, recover item, yep. um, which is also a simple fix. Another one that I thought of, I actually like yours better than mine, but is um, that you have to pick up the item. So, um, if they kept it on center line, then the model, then the model must your your models must be in possession of it because then yeah. at least you can at least like somebody's like, oh, this guy's picked up this item. Okay, now I'm gonna basically run my melta out, shoot that guy at the end yeah. of this round so that this model can't hold it. So now it's it's there. There's a way to objectively say that um, that it doesn't work anymore. Like like you you have some counterplay to it. Yeah, um, but. Um, I think that security is the most the most balanced of of all of the things so far. Um, I think that all of them have have their every single faction, every single crit op has its issues outside yeah. of outside of security. Oh, I forgot one thing. I've removed the extra CP. We don't need that, right? We, we don't really? need the extra CP. Really, don't. It is it has made things way too easy because, especially with factions that get extra CP or free strats they're now starting with more CP mm. in terms of stuff. And the problem is those teams were designed to have more CP than everyone else because there was a lower pool and now they have a way bigger advantage because they have a buff they were never tested around. I and would, the issue is strats aren't equal. Yeah, so. I would definitely say that I do not disagree with you. I think that if they took if they got rid of the extra CP, I'd be 100% fine with it. 100%. Yeah, I don't think I'd miss it too much. Because I found going into oh, games now... <laughs> 
I, I like I go like, oh, I do love that I have an extra CP, but not for balance because it allows me to break the game more. So I just go like, wow, you know, I couldn't do this before, but now I can do everything I want all the time. So it, it's, I would remove that. But yeah, I think the reason I, I get no scoring tack ops turning point one, but the only issue is that it suddenly makes stuff like Headhunter almost impossible to max. And I think it's just easier to fix individual stuff. But I have a sinking suspicion GW will not touch any tack op cards or anything from crit ops because. Um, so this pings- no 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 it's because when it comes back to so when I was uh, in Underworlds we had a card pack that was launched that everyone hated uh-huh. and instead of just like changing it and, and like you know limiting these cards they were just like we're just going to silently ignore it we're going to like nerf some things because it is clearly damaging but the issue is we're just going to ignore it and just let it go away so when it rotates out it'll just rotate out in silence and no one will notice and it's like I think because the feedback of people going, I can't buy this. And what really confuses me is when GW release free updates, people get really upset because they're like, oh, I've paid for a product and it should be right the first time. And I get that. But the issue is because people are so angry about changes, it's like, I think GW will just be too scared for any more drama and we'll just like, I will just leave it, just leave it for a year and then just wait for the next pack or whatever they'll do. I could also see that because um, everyone just did buy this and then they're like, wait, now there's an updated PDF of, of this. Like now my cards like, don't even work. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could definitely see that. I could also see them being like, hey, you know, we're, we're putting the new cards, the new couple that we changed in the next upcoming White Dwarf. I could see them doing that. Uh, they- I would hope so, but... Um- Realistic and pessimistic me would go, they're just going to leave it entirely because people, yeah, people shower and complain too much, which is just the, it's the bizarrest thing because it's the same people wanting balance, but then getting really upset when GW would change stuff about certain things that are a problem. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's GW's fault for short printing it, but not because they just underestimated the demand, but then you've got the issue of the community now forcing them into a position where they will just refuse to update it because they don't want any more backlash. I can see that. Right. Do you expect so, them to just release like a whole new critical ops pack? Like maybe probably like in another, maybe in like next December or when we get in. Um, yeah. Probably yeah. next December. Right. Yeah, before that. the right before the next, uh, the next update to the next season, that would be lovely mm-hmm. right before yeah. LVO and don't tell any giant tournament <laughs> organizers, you know, because you know, that is, that is obviously you know, a great thing to do to somebody's, uh, you know, sleeping schedule is for them to stay up all night and fix things. Um, yeah, please GW let's, let's get a new crit ops pack, but let's drop it December 29th, right before LVO. That would be excellent. Well, I hope the next one lines up with the new season because that yeah. would make more sense. That would make the most but sense. But it's like, yeah, but it's just weird. But then the like, crit ops would only be around for like six months and then they'd have crit ops too. I think Maybe they would not care just to get like something better out because it's like, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because like people are it's, like it's people it's are also, gonna. It's also kind of crazy the amount of the amount of ties that we're getting percentage wise. Oh yeah, I so I so because um, I did a video on that about ties. So the issue is ties have gone up by 09 percent, but the more damning thing we've noticed is um, the average point scored, whether you win, lose, lose or draw, has jumped dramatically. So people are basically 
from the stats we've gathered are basically maxing every game if they win. If they tie, they are getting like 15, 14 points. And if they lose, they've gone from scoring six points to scoring around 11 points. Yeah, I could see that. It in our in in my stats for LVO, I think we went from one tie last year to twenty two ties. Oh my LVO. gosh! So it's- it was a massive, massive, uh, including AVTT. We had one tie, and again at LVO, we had we had a lot. So because I know even Kill Team Open had their round free day one where like everyone drew because of loot. Yeah, and what's interesting is I think loot is the most. I like loot the best. I just think that there's, I think that ta- the tack ops are too easy to score. So because of that, everyone ties. I, I think it's also because loot is in such a weird position. Cause especially on into the dark, unless you get like layout one, it's very easy to just tie with loot on into the dark. I agree. So it, they also made scoring in general too much, but it's like, I think GW are learning around tournaments because if with Adepticon, we should have got the balanced data slate like this week, the week of or the week before Adepticon. But I'm pretty sure we're either going to get it the week after or in April. Because I, Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be right after because they don't want to mess with... Uh, I think Adepticon GW runs now, so for Kill Team at least. So they probably didn't want to throw a wrench in, in well, any, th- anything. If they, leave it for fe- if they leave it a month after, so if they do it for April, like the first week of April, it means it pushes everything a month forward. Because the last issue they had was the balance data slate dropping in December, right? So like a month mm-hmm. before LVO. So then they can drop it after LVO. It would drop, drop like end of January slash February. And then it actually conveniently goes a month after all the major events, except Ooh. their own. Yeah. So I could see them just delaying it by a month. I could see that. I could definitely see that. It's, I think this is like the most anticipated balance data slate. So, do you think that crude are going to get buffed, or the far sticker combat are going to get buffed or nerfed? Uh, so, if they introduce, if GW introduces a general damage negation rule, which caps it to a minimum of three, it will buff so many teams because that's all they really need at the moment. They're a solid team; it's just they can't deal with damage negation. So, anything minus one damage is too much for them. And then, like, if they change Galapox to just make them all have a six-up DPR, so they're on a instead of having a five up, they're all six up because that's probably the most effective change to that kill team to make them not so much tanks. Uh, I think Kroot would suddenly jump up because the only reason they're not doing well at the moment is because they literally just run into intercession, legionary, breaches, or Kroot. Oh, no, not uh, Kroot or Galapox and just go, I'm gonna max tack ops turning point two and then hope you don't wipe me out. Like that's that's basically it. So it's it's just the weird meta choice. And like I expect Phobos because the thing is the one thing I've learned from balanced data slates they overbuff one team way too far for no reason, mm. right? So we had it with uh, Hunter Clade, and we had it with Elucidian Star Striders. So I expect oh, yeah. them to I expect yeah, them to either laser. break Hyrotech Circle or Phobos. Because maybe both. Well, it's like Phobos are oddly the only team that every time they've gotten a buff, their win rate's gone down. So maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll finally get a buff that will actually help them. 
Do you think, do you think their rate went down? This is coming from a Phobos player because everyone who has Phobos goes, Oh, I'll try them out. And then they just don't know what they're doing again. Cause it's been so long. So then they I, lose. I think so. But I also <laughs> think Phobos players are masochists and their plan is they want to keep the win rate so low. Eventually they get so many mad buffs when they're happy with how many buffs their team has gotten, they will suddenly start playing properly. And just swing it around so they go to like an 80% win rate because they go like, hi, you fool, we have eight <laughs> buffs now. We finally, our waiting has finally paid off. They gave us plus one damage on all our boat guns for two equipment points. It's balanced. That, that's, that's what they could do. That's, no, exactly, what I want. that's exactly what I want. Um, I, I, I think that the reason why Phobos isn't seeing a lot of success, number one, is that the team... Is not fun to play, in my opinion. While some it's people not. might, some people might really like. They're like an Eldar team in Space Marine form with less models. They're very fast. They do a lot of damage, but unfortunately, like they removed a lot of the really cool possibility of models, or some other cool possibilities for them to have, because they really wanted to stick to the Incursor box, and. I mean, there's a reason why it's probably the least successful selling box out there. It's because incursors are lame. I'm sorry, all those Phobos players out there. Um, I like Reavers. I like the Eliminators. Um, I think that I think the team could have been so much more. It could have been, um, but I think they tried to stick to like models because they really wanted to push them into a box. When I feel like Phobos could have been a great white dwarf release. And you could have just went out and bought all the different kinds of models and just made the team so much better and so much more fun and interesting to play uh, outside of um, kind of what they're being limited to. Well, it's then a weird spot because I think their biggest issue are Legionary and Intercession because the interesting thing, the first month they came out, they were the second Death most Guard popular faction. Too. Well, they were the second most popular. Oh, yeah, Death Guard as well. But they were the second most popular faction in the game because um, like... It didn't seem that way, but like a ton of space ring players just appeared. Like I, th I think a lot of people did buy Morok mainly for the terrain, but also because they were space marines. But their biggest issue is they don't have dedicated melee threats unless they go into reavers. But the issue is their their main success is ranged. But the problem is their boat guns go down to two four against most targets, or against intercession they go down to three three. And the thing is. The annoying thing is there's a subset of Phobos players who will always tell me it doesn't matter because they have crit damage. You are not rolling crits for all attacks, even with lethal five up. Like there's no way you're just going into a legionary going, I'm rolling five, four crits, and you're all you're only getting two saves. So you're saving one effectively. Like it's it's the issue is their damage output is really poor at ranged, which is the biggest issue. Because they were actually doing well when they could spam free crack grenades. Um, but it's the more so like they don't even do tac ops that well because they don't they're limited with their APL because that's why I was saying they should just let them do they have to hide you know they yeah if they could do a mission stuff. action for one AP less they would right. be suddenly really good at playing the mission and doing secondaries which is what we need a marine team to do because we've already got super tanky legionary who work as individuals and then you've just got the super bunky uh super tanky oppressive, uh, oppressive like in your face intercession who are bulky with all these wounds so letting phobos just have be the silent spec ops who like move on to a point cap it for free dash back and then switch to conceal 
or stuff like that would just be a nice niche for them to own because they would dominate with infiltration. They would yeah, be able to do infiltration for free. So it's just, yeah, it's their damage output is really poor because they're like, oh, you can't shoot me. And then also obviously Into the Dark sucks for them. They, yeah. they hate Into the Dark. Like, it's just... So Giacomo, you played a lot of Phobos when they first came out. Um, what do you feel? I feel like they're fine. And what we lack is obviously punching, the ability to have any high AP. Combat's fine. I have no issues running Reavers, Reaver Sergeants just going up and hitting stuff. It's pretty yep. good. Uh, their equipment's pretty good. Their loadouts aren't too bad. And this is just from the unit itself. You have a lot of options, whether you take the mines or not, because I used to be a hater on the mines until I started using them. They're, they're pretty helpful. Uh, and having 12 wounds kind of sucks. Like that part, I wish I had a little bit more of a way to survive. Or if I could just go into conceal after I kill something, like if that was the rule, if you kill something, then you can choose to go into conceal instead of paying an AP for it. I would have liked something like that. But that might make them too strong if you can get a kill off. So I don't think they're bad, but I wouldn't mind having a buff. I, I think well, yeah, that they're it, one of the highest uh, skill cap teams out there, for sure. Kind of. I think what people keep forgetting is now they've been, they've had so many buffs, people have kind of lost track. But like the biggest one is people keep forgetting their infiltrators. No, incursors, sorry. The incursor models now all ignore obscuring. Because that's yep. what I think they had during testing. And then mm -hmm. they're like, oh, this is crazy having an entire team ignoring Obscuring. And now they're at the point where like, just screw it. Just give them anything. It might work. <laughs> we'll just hope for the best. But, but the thing like is, is, there's a good balance between it because you want to also take Infiltrators to do the, I choose this model that I see. Yes. He doesn't activate for this many turns. So you have a good balance of not just taking all Incursors. And you got to take Reavers. So they're not either of the two. Yep. So it's it's a good balance. I, I like where it is. And deadly shots, uh, the fact that you don't have to do the standing still to do it anymore is nice. Yes. That was a big one. Um, so yeah. I, how, I like are they I into, how, how are they into Harlequins? I don't oh, play Phobos very often. Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, I would assume that the matchup is not good for Phobos. No, I didn't, I didn't have a good time playing against Harlequin players. Mm. Yep, as a Void Dancer troop specialist, uh, you if they take Reavers, you melt the Reavers, mm -hmm. and then you, you run as a tragedy, because once you've killed the melee threats, they can't shoot at you because they will lose the game, because they will max your Sadef very quickly. So then you're popping Prismatic Blur, you don't really care about their crits because you have Invons, and the issue is every time they shoot you, they're giving you TACOT points. To the point where the Phobos players that I was playing in London stopped shooting me and just tried to play the mission because once I shot their <laughs> melee threats out, they were like, it's not worth shooting you because you get too strong. So they were just running onto points and running off and hiding. So it's not a good matchup. <laughs> yeah, because they're just as fast, you know. I mean, they're that, similar to the Farstalkers, um, Reavers are is a super fast team. So if you do like super fast teams out there um, and you guys want to play Phobos and want to prove us wrong, then by all means, I'd love to. Well, it's like the other thing is like um, even the Harlequins, because they will have 12 wounds, if they had 13 wounds, it'd be dramatically different. Yeah. But the issue is a leader can charge in with two crits and do murderous entrance and just kill a Reaver before they fought. So instantly you're just deleting their threats. Yeah, and then I hate just, murderous entrance with a burning passion. Yeah. But even, even if you have a power pin and you charge them, if you've rolled three crits with lethal five up on like four or five dice, you've 
just killed that reaver because they don't have lethal five up. So if you roll, if they don't roll any crits and you roll two crits, they're dead in two hits. If they roll a crit and you've rolled three crits, they're dead in two hits because they can't parry out. So the reavers just go, oh my gosh, stay away from me, power weapons. Like, because even Corsairs, I think Corsairs is a worse matchup because they have an extra body and they have like five power weapons and a fusion mm-hmm. pistol and a blaster. So it's just, it's just horrible. How, how's, that, how's the crew matchup into Phobos? Oh, it's uh, as a crew player, I actually hate it because okay. um, their ignore obscuring messes up a lot of my shots because like my sniper ignores obscuring for an action point. But then I'm like, actually, I'm just going to safely hide behind this heavy cover because you will shoot me to death. And then they'll delay st- key stuff you want to charge forward, like your Skinner, because your Skinner will move red and then fire their Super Flamer and Marine. But the issue is, like even a Hound, let's say a Hound you've forward deployed for a re- recover item, they will just pin them. And then that Hound is just stuck there and it breaks your group activation. So you can go, oh yeah, I'll activate one hound so then I can activate that hound after. But against the marines, you really want to group activate the hound so you can double charge. And when they pop down there, I love the mine layer, but everyone, as Jackmo said, used to hate it. Well, hates it. But if they drop that down on a point, you need to charge someone. With uh, the damage it does, it either maims someone, or if you charge with a hound, it kills the hound as they charge in because they trigger the mine once they move within blue of the mine. So it's actually really hard to deal with them unless you slowly move up in such a way that then you can counter charge them. But if they've taken reavers, their reavers just do, uh, they multi charge you, they double strike against normal crew and kill them in one hit because they're four five, and then they just fight the other one normally. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a really hard matchup. So it's it's fascinating. Um, I I used to love to play old crude. Um, they were awful. Um, yeah. And me and Giacomo played a game once. And my dogs, like you could take four of them. They they did a lot of work. Uh, yes. My crude did absolutely nothing to any of his models. All like eleven of them did like, or ten of them. However many you could take did nothing. The crew talks killed like three models in one turn, but then I had to stand on a point. <laughs> yep. So, no, I, just left, I left that crew talks alone. <laughs> just leave that guy alone and he killed the rest of my team. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the crew definitely lack a lot of the, uh, the sustainability against a Phobos team for sure. Just cause they're all so, so squishy. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because the current Fast Talker Kim band are very different from the Compendium crew. Mm-hmm. They're just better at playing the game and mission. And they're designed to like pick apart one to two key operatives at turning point and then just wear down everyone else because they're not actually a proper melee team. They're a mixed team. I'd call them like a mid range team. So they deal well at like if you're within red because they have to pay a CP to go to four attacks and sometimes five. So once you've deleted their melee specialist, they're just kind of okay in combat. They're just tanky and they just want to move into a position where one turning point, they can just go, okay, everyone's in range of charging you because I'm really fast. And I'm not going to charge your melee specialists. I'm going to charge your gunners just because I'm all right at combat, but you're not that great. So now I'm just going to go through with weight of numbers. Gotcha. Because they actually are terrified of melee specialists. Because um, like you want to shoot, like 
Because the bit, the biggest thing is like in 40k and Age of Sigmar, you don't, you never want to kill the melee Death Star with your own melee Death Star because both just end up getting smashed. You want to shoot the melee stuff and charge the shooty stuff. But the issue is their shooty stuff is focused on killing one key operative a turn. And then when your melee operative is like, oh, I'm five attacks with a CP three forward lethal five up and balanced against another melee target who is going, I'm five attacks, four five with rending. And they just go, I'm I'm just going to, you win the melee off. I'm just going to ignore you for this game and charge your gunner. (laughs) So it's like their shooting's good and they rely on ammo and stuff, but it's not amazing. Like the amount of times I've overcharged my bow and I've gone with the four five AP one damage with lethal five up and just rolled a single hit and then one one two is depressing. What is your favorite model from the Far Stalker Kinman? Oh, it's the hounds. Always the hounds. <laughs> just the hounds are the best. So I think it's the one with the open mouth just because he looks happier. Yeah. Uh, but they both look happy. So it's definitely so the hounds. Do you like all the dogs in, in uh, Kill Team or is it just the crude hounds? Just the crew hounds. Okay. Um, Fair enough. More, I had a You're more of a cat man? Yeah, cats would be cool. I mean, I was expecting a Gyrinx with the Corsairs, but we didn't oh, get that. that. Would, that it's like an elder awesome. cat. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. that would have been awesome. So for uh, we might get a, a the Gyrinx or maybe like a Raptor or something for, uh, you know, uh, if they do a, like a... a an exodite or something like that. But yeah. That's, that's, that's besides the point. So when we do, what, what about equipment? What is your, uh, your newcomer takes all kind of like equipment list that you typically take? So 10 meat is technically a viable strategy into like stuff like breaches, mm-hmm. but you really want trophies because they're now free equipment points. And once per activation during your turning point, well, once per game during your activation, you can make someone free APL. So generally I put that on a normal guy and usually the bow and or sniper, because if the sniper is already in position, you don't need the trophy, but it's more so going to free APL allows you to go like, I'll dash into position, energize my sniper rifle, then shoot you with lethal five up, ignoring cover, more wounds free up, or my bow is going to move with um, bound to get on top of this vantage point. I'm going to spend an action point to get lethal five up on my bow, and then I'm going to shoot you with either my, my piercing shot or my splash shot just to do like a bunch of damage. And then you have your normal guys, like if you're playing loot, you can have a guy who isn't covered by your comms, pop it turning point one to move and dash up a flank with bound plus or minus and then cap a point. So you you generally want two trophies and then usually one to two ammos, usually stun rounds, uh, so the poison rounds, or piercing Mm -hmm. shots if you're against marines. And if you're against like hordy teams, you take the frag grenade. That's that's pretty much it. You, I would only take the leader's blade if you know you're going to be in melee. So if you, you're playing someone who's aggressive, then I'd take the leader's melee blade to make him a 4-5 attack. 4-5 damage in close combat. Do you have any uh, typical strategic poise or tactical poise that you find yourself that you play with quite a lot? So I find turning point one, I usually pop bound if the board is super dense just to get into position because you can quickly get up the board while your opponent can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am always popping call the kill if I can, even if I know I can't get a shot just to threaten my opponent to not move up because they'll be terrified. And then turning point two, well, the turning point I know I'm going to get a charge, I will pop the plus one attack generally and just keep that with bound. 
And then the only other thing you have to track is when someone dies is to spend a CP to get Vengeance of the Kinband, so you get relentless against them for the rest of the game. But you have to make sure you do it with someone you can reach because there's no point like um, a Marine dashing up, shooting shooting your guy, then you play Vengeance of the Kinband and then they just move behind a wall. Because sure, you get relentless till them at the end of the game, but you can't use that stratagem again until that guy's dead. If they keep just doing pop-tarting, you've effectively been locked out of one of your stratagems. Oh, fascinating. Have you put any games against uh, the new Drukhari army yet? Because they they seem pretty good. So it's a weird thing, because the the other thing is there's a lot of alpha Hand of the Archon players in terms of turning point one. They're like, this is my Torment Grenade, and now I'm sharing it with all of your kill team. So there there are tons of people who will just like, Recon dash up and then move and dash and then throw their torment grenade, which mm-hmm. is like it's dumb, but the issue is they're like throwing away their guy for that. So it's really hard. Um, but the issue is if you can get into position and let's say they've put high pecs on everyone so they don't have the six up DPR, all of a sudden, once you just charge them, you will just overwhelm them because of your numbers. Because a hound should kill any Drukari they charge. So if you can except you're going to be hit by a torment grenade and not let it dominate your life like a lot of people, which like, cause it, 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 it's really dumb, but it's like kind of their thing. And I think the biggest thing about the torment grenade is people are like, I don't want to be hit by it, but it's like, you aren't going to be hit by it. So just accept that instead of, cause I've seen people throw games cause they're like, I'm going to move away from this torment grenade. I've spaced out my drop zone perfectly. So you can't uh, torment grenade me. And then it's like, great, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, oh, I've deployed too far back. So it's just, I would just tank it, then immediately kill the uh, what do you, disciple of Yalindra, because then they go down to eight operatives and then just overwhelm them turning point two. Because you are technically faster with bound because you're not slowed by terrain while they are. So if it's a really dense board, it's better. Into the dark, it's a lot better as well because you don't have to worry about the disciple so much because you have the bodies and trophies to more safely move up, which oddly makes one of the few matchups where Into the Dark is better for Fast or Kikimban, because usually they don't like Into the Dark. So that's the main tips against Hand of the Archon, I'd say. Okay, cool. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be super I'm I'm excited to see all these teams on the on the tabletop. Uh, I think the I think that the cops are going to be pretty decent into some teams and pretty bad into other teams. So how, how do, how do, how do the Adeptus, um, Arbides do against, uh, against the, the far stalkers? It's weird. If, if they're actually smart players in terms of like, not saying the exaction squad are worse than Phobos and Hyrotech and they've taken shields, then it's actually quite hard because you actually can't shoot them that well because your general mm-hmm. plan is to just run in and cut them up. But if you can charge their key stuff that doesn't have shields, you'll be okay. Because the issue is the shields will go parry first. And they may only get two hits. But if you've got three or four attacks, they'll parry like two of your hits. So you only have one to two hits left. And you're only going to like, unless you somehow roll two crits. The issue is like you need to roll four crits because they they have lethal five up. But they'll just parry out. So you charge and just like run into a shield and die. But it's kind of like you just ignore the shields, but sometimes it's really hard. It depends on their composition. If you take no shields, you just laugh and charge them. 
But if they have taken shields, you have to be careful where you charge and try and shoot the shields if possible. Because the other weird thing is people are complaining about the shields because they keep charging them instead of trying to shoot the shields. So I've got people saying, oh, Exaction Squad, they're, they're, the shield guys are horrible. You can't, can't charge them, can't get around them. And I'm like, have you just decided about moving within white and shooting them? I was like, well, <laughs> no, uh, I just wanted to charge them. And it's like, yeah, that's, that might be an issue. Like, obviously the issue is you go like, oh, I'm sacrificing a guy to shoot a shield. But then the issue is you're killing their roadblock. You are losing a guy, but especially if that shield hasn't activated, you are losing a guy to take away an activation and roadblock, which then means they either have to stay, like kill that guy and fall back or move up without protection. So if you mm-hmm. can do that as the fast because it's really good, especially as you can frag grenade them as well to just, because they're only seven wounds. So as long as you start maiming them with your frag grenade, it's fine. How about the, uh, how about the far stalker matchup in the vet guard? I know we've talked about the pathfinder one earlier and it's pretty yep. favored in them. It seems like it would be similar with vet guard, but perhaps not. What do you think? It's actually pretty good. You just have to, except if you can let the spotter see someone, they are going to sniper someone likely to death. But the issue is because of rogue, you could survive. So you just have to accept you're going to be shot once by someone. So just play around that and then just move up the board because turning point two, you are just going to murder the, because you just go for multi-charges and start fighting Mm -hmm. because your hounds will double activate, multi-charge, kill two guys and then the issue your opponent will have is they now have four guys who are tied up. So they've lost two guys, and now they've got two more that are tied up that can either fall back and fight, fall back or fight the hounds, which are just more death. So it's setting up your turning point one. So turning point two, you can just maul the vet guard. Because especially yeah. if they're being cagey, once again, you can just use bound to like effectively fly across the board into their face. Mm-hmm. So you could, uh, you can really, uh, it, that, that, that's one that, uh, everyone wants to take, a uh, the hand ax meta for the vet guard. Just, uh, hope you roll a crit. Oh. I know. Right. I, every time I've seen it, it's like, <laughs> can oh, you I'm roll gonna... a crit? Can you? <laughs> well, it's like, they go like, I'm going to try, uh, I'm going to do the risky play and take hand axes. Cause if I roll crits, this work is like, firstly, I understand. But secondly, you're not me. And I just charge them and they just don't roll crits because they take the, they take the auto retain and then they roll two dice and they just roll like one hit. So they cannot I, I, roll a crit. Yeah. One day the hand axe metal will work if that guard will four attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Four attacks. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, that would be, that would be preferable. Or if they took um, the one when they auto retain one, that, that yeah. does help quite a lot. Yeah. But you never know. It's like, what if they don't take bound? Okay. They're taking bound. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take, uh, you know, the one that makes me a, uh, you know, retain one. That's cool. That's fun. Yeah, because the issue is it's really hard for your opponent to play around bound because the issue is you can just choose not to do it, but the issue is for them to ignore the play around bound, they have to be behind like physical walls or doors, which you can use bound to make them stay outside of the table. So once you max the books, like literally you just go, okay, I'm going to balance the books. I've maxed more my attack ops. It's turning point two. We're playing loot. Uh, I'm just going to max everything. Even if you're playing security, all I have to do, you've picked C's ground. At the end of the game, I'm just going to get a guy within there and uh-huh. I have stopped your attack ops. And it's like I win by one. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the yeah. fact we've gone over a lot of these teams um, and it seems like 
the crude are pretty well balanced because they have a lot of hard matchups and they have a lot of good matchups. Um, so it makes me, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can bring some more teams into the same line as the crude, and that would ultimately make the crude a little better too. Well, I think the weird thing is if they introduce this damage negation cap, they're going to have to nerf recover item because the crew are unintentionally doing way better than normal because they can take recover item with any other archetype. So because they can spend a CP to pick an archetype, uh, another tackle. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's odd that the damage negation teams are actually keeping the crew in check because I think if they do introduce a damage negation rule, they would have to do something like with the crew ploy, say they can't, they have to pick an archetype they can take, because all of a sudden they'd be locked into eliminate guards or or like um, headhunter and stuff, which makes it much harder that, for them to max with balance the books, because that's mm. it, it's literally just going implant, because implant is one of the best tack ups in the game if you can max, uh, mix it with other archetypes, because mm-hmm. everyone wants to charge now because everyone's running seek and destroy. And it changes combats you were going to lose anyway into a net positive for you. Because now your opponent's like, oh, I get a point for like eliminate guards. He's like, cool, I get a point for uh, implant. And they're like, oh, what? So it, it messes up like heavy melee teams like Legionary and Intercession. But they're so strong innately into the matchup that it's not too bad. But stuff like... Um, let's say you're playing into Blooded. Blooded all of a sudden go, oh my, I want to charge you but every time I charge you, I'm effectively giving you two tack-up points because I'm going to charge with three different guys, and that's two tack-up points. So now I shouldn't charge you, but then if I don't charge you, I'm not going to max my own tack-ups. There's like this conundrum for them. And then the other issue is they can't stop you charging them, so you can just start doing suicide charges to max your tack-ups. Oh. That weird dichotomy. Gotta love it. So we are coming up on two hours, so we're going to start wrapping these bad this bad boy up. Um, is there anything else you'd like to to uh, to plug, Mister uh, Mister John? Well, I mean, like outside of my stuff, I guess. Like the big thing would be uh, Hotzel's Teddy and his stats, because like we do the stat show together. But it's like uh, I'm more giving ideas and like stuff we can do with the stats, whereas he gets all the data. And the weird thing is, while people are using the stats now, which is great. The weird thing is they're not crediting us, but more importantly, not crediting him. Like Ace mm. is still, which is really cool, but it's, it's just really weird to see people using the stats and then not even crediting him. So I'd just like to shout out to Teddy, because remember, you can get the stats from our, man- our monthly stats videos and um, in the Discord, he'll post them up. But also, I just want to shout out you guys, because like, you guys are really awesome and you're like... That's so why I wanted to come on because it's like your events are really great. And like, if you haven't been for some reason, even though you're probably a long time listener, you should go. Because <laughs> like LVO was awesome. And if you guys are running LVO again, I'll probably come. So I'm like, yeah. So yeah. if you want a good event, these guys give you a good one. Thank you. Appreciate that, yeah, brother. It means Appreciate a lot. That. That's true. Gee, is there All anything right. you want to you wanna shout out before we wrap this bad boy up? Absolutely. I want to thank our patrons for supporting everything that we do. They allow us to bring tabletop content and to help you run these events. Uh, We really love everyone. We'd love everyone to come to our events. You know, if you're in the SoCal area, we're doing stuff. You can always check us out on squad games everywhere, all over sorts of place. And if you want to be a patron, you can join us on patreon.com slash squad games. That's patreon.com slash squad games. And if you just want to talk to us in general, have questions about what we do, we're on discord 
at the Squad Games Discord. We'll have the links in the show notes so you can join us there. We have all sorts of games, whether it's Kill Team, 40K, or other things, and players from all other areas, and just talk and have a good time. And if you're on Instagram, you can follow us at squad underscore games underscore entertainment. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank you, John. Love your videos. And um, a big fan, brother. I was super happy to meet you at OVO. And thank you for coming on the podcast, man. It means a lot. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure, man. It was great meeting you guys. It was really fun at OVO. So thank you so much. Just another way to pay you guys back in my own way, I guess. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, that. All right, everyone. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. See ya.